invite you to come and join me as we take a pause in our busy day and pursue soul care as we allow our bodies to slow down and our minds to be renewed with goodness, truth, and hope. This is PRN. Pause. Renew. Next. Hi guys, welcome back to our attachment series. In recent weeks, we've been talking about all the attachment patterns, secure attachment, and then the three insecure attachment styles, ambivalent, avoidant, and disorganized. And today we're talking about a fifth style, which is the most hopeful of all, and it is called earned secure attachment. But before we jump into that, I wanna just give you a heads up about what you can expect for the rest of the season. The next two weeks, we're gonna have an amazing guest interview that I cannot wait to share with you. It is so helpful. And then we're gonna be talking about our attachment pattern with our Heavenly Father, with God. And after that, we're gonna be talking about reclaiming compassion when we're raising kids from hard places and maybe that attachment stuff isn't coming so easily. So I hope that you'll stick around for the rest of the season and the coming weeks and all the good stuff that's coming. And today, we're gonna jump into earned secure attachment. You guys, just as a reminder, attachment can change either way, from insecure to secure, or from secure to insecure, if we go through trauma or abuse or some big life change. So remember, to some extent, it is fluid. But what we're talking about today is called earned secure attachment. And that is if you grew up and know solidly that you're functioning out of one of the insecure attachment styles meaning you never did receive secure attachment patterns in your early childhood, then there's hope. It's a thing called earned secure attachment. Earned secure attachment happens when a person experiences early insecure attachment that later can become secure through learning healthy attachment patterns in subsequent relationships later in life. Attachment patterns can totally be changed all throughout our lives, even in adulthood. In fact, people with earned secure attachment show similar parenting attitudes and behaviors to those who had secure attachments with their parents. The big difference between the two attachment styles, secure and earned secure, is that people with earned secure attachments typically had difficult early attachment experiences and then learned new attachment patterns through healthy relationships later in life. A person who has earned security might have some of these characteristics a positive sense of themselves and who they are, experiencing not quite so many fears about being unaccepted from others or having feelings of loneliness, an ability to comfortably share emotional bonds with other people to be connected, and they show a healthy balance of intimacy and independence. Or in another way of saying it, what we've talked about it as is that refuge-seeking comfort, emotional closeness, and exploration intimacy, and independence. I think in a previous episode, I talked about the fact that for people with insecure attachment patterns, in adulthood, they have a difficult time telling their story in a truthful, clear way. Someone with an insecure attachment might describe their adverse childhood experiences kind of incoherently, meaning they might provide unclear accounts of their early life experiences. This happens for a couple of reasons. Number one, The emotional distress caused by an insecure attached person's painful early experiences with their caregivers is a wound, and therefore it's painful. It's painful to look at or to pay attention to or to talk about. 
This can make it difficult to remember the positives of their childhood or to speak truthfully about their parents and their memories. The other reason it's hard for people with insecure attachment to tell their story is because our attachment patterns are already developing when we're babies, like before we can speak. Remember, Bowlby, the father of attachment, said that the bulk of our attachment styles happen in the first couple of years of life, with a critical window still until the age of five. So we're really forming a lot of those patterns before we can speak, before we have verbal ability. So we're encoding them as implicit memories, not explicit. But as we heal from insecure attachment and move towards secure attachment, we can begin to tell our story coherently in a way that makes sense. After gaining understanding and perspective, we can remember both the negative and the positive experiences. For example, someone with an insecure attachment style might say, I often felt lonely when I was a kid. But someone with earned secure attachment might say, I often felt lonely as a kid because my mom worked a lot of hours to take care of our family. She did the best she could. Do you see that? It was a full picture of what was happening, the good and the bad. In earned secure attachment, a person can make sense of their story. They can finally tell their life story in a coherent and complete way. These changes don't happen by sheer willpower though. Earning secure attachment happens in one of two ways or perhaps in both of these ways. It requires a profound change in circumstances, meaning some significant things are shifting in our lives in a positive way, or it requires a significant encounter with an outside relationship, somebody other than the caregiver. Also, it's important to point out that we can't change our attachment style outside of relationships. You can't just decide, I wanna have earned secure attachment and then independently do the work. There's no way to heal on your own. The reason for that is summed up beautifully in a quote that I heard from Karen Purvis, but I don't know if she was the originator. It says, what is broken in relationship can only be healed in relationship. I want to say that again because it bears repeating. What is broken in relationship can only be healed in relationship. Kurt Thompson says, there is no such thing as an individual brain. Transformation requires a collaborative interaction with one person empathically listening and responding to the other so that the speaker has the experience of being felt by another. Remember, we're looking for the four S's, being seen, being soothed, being safe, being secure. We only get those needs met inside of a safe relationship. Storytelling and listening is a big part of that. Being seen and known by a safe person who cares about you and finding that sense of felt safety. Storytelling and listening help our left and right modes of processing to integrate in a way that simply won't happen by reading or listening to text that uses logic linear processing. A person who listens empathically and responsively as someone tells their story is able to validate, to be attuned, to bring curiosity. And this interpersonal interaction between us helps facilitate the integration of neural structures and brain systems. You guys, as we interact with each other and we're finding felt safety, We're literally making new brain pathways. That's why it takes a lot of work. The firing patterns of these networks, though previously unavailable potentially, that didn't even exist before those interactions took place, then are coming into being. We can't change our stories without changing the neural pathways that correlate with those changes. 
And we do that inside safe relationships. So cool, isn't it? How God made our brains. It's amazing. Healing from insecure attachment takes a good dose of bravery because it requires entering into relationships differently than we're used to, and that might feel uncomfortable. It means opening ourselves up to feeling safe and being known, learning to trust and express ourselves deeply, maybe for the first time. And that can feel scary, risky. This is why it can only be formed inside safe relationships. I can't say that enough. This doesn't just happen in any relationship. You can't just pick somebody and say, I'm going to get earned secure attachment now in this relationship. No, it's got to be somebody you feel safe with. Somebody who is a secure base that is able to help you with those four S's. Be seen, be soothed, be safe, be secure. Somebody that you can trust. Somebody who gets you. Somebody who's able to handle your big emotions and validate you through them. Somebody who's not going to take off for the hills the first time you say something that shocks them. Somebody who can sit with you while you're working through the hard things. Research shows that these are the things we need to achieve earned security. Number one, we need emotional support. If originally we believed, I can't depend on anyone, then... As we move toward earned secure attachment, we're learning to trust and rely on safe people for emotional support and validation. Number two, we need to be able to make sense of past experiences. And we've already talked about that a little bit. To be able to move on from the past, first we've got to recognize how it's impacting us now, our current lives. We can gain new perspective by reflecting on our past experiences and processing the emotions attached to them. Number three, we can alter our self-perceptions. An insecure attachment often results in a negative sense of self. People that maybe don't trust themselves, people that don't really know themselves very well. So in order to earn security, we might need to reframe some of those self-perceptions and gain some self-understanding and self-worth. Number four, we've got to make deliberate changes, intentional changes in our thought patterns and behaviors. If we're used to interacting in particular ways, then it's hard to change. Remember, all those little neural pathways have been working for a long time inside your brain, and it takes a while to build new ones. Identifying these old patterns of relationships, of how we handle emotions, how we handle communication, and then making conscious and educated changes to them can help us act more securely in our relationships. For ambivalently attached people, that might look like setting more boundaries, becoming a little more independent. For avoidantly attached people, that might look like recognizing and talking about emotions more often, working towards closer emotional connection in our relationships. And in addition to all those four things, it's also helpful to begin taking small risks with your trust. Not big, uncalculated risks, trusting people for no apparent reason, but small ones like sharing your experiences with others, telling others how you feel, beginning to practice putting boundaries in place, joining a community or a small group of people that you feel comfortable with where you can say what you need to say. Two other really helpful pathways towards healing and earned secure attachment are one, finding an emotional support person, an alternative attachment figure, not your original caregiver, but maybe somebody else in your family a really close friend, 
or maybe your spouse or a romantic partner. Or, and, either one and or, seeing a trained therapist, because you can practice this with a therapist as well. Remember that also is empathic listening and responding in a safe place. Those alternative support figures may be able to offer you emotional support that you need in order to earn your security. They do this by listening to their loved ones when they're upset and helping them in times of distress. They help with refuge seeking, with helping to provide or teach emotional regulation, especially if you never got it when you were little. And they can become a secure base for you in order to be able to go out and explore and vacillate between the two sides of attachment. Encounters like these can help us learn how to trust that there are safe people who can be relied on to care for us. Earn secure attachment brings so much hope, doesn't it? And I really see this as being the heart of the gospel. And we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks. If you're a parent today and you're listening to me talk and you're thinking, oh no, I missed my window. I want to really encourage you that you haven't. If your kids are still at home with you, or even if they're not, it's not too late to practice some of these things with them. First, practice them for yourself. You know, as if you don't know how to do these skills, then practice them for yourself and it will start coming through in your parenting. But I also want to say that I heard in my research someone say that um, although the first five years are the critical period, it seems like there might be a second period that opens up in the teenage years. And the reason for that is that our brains are doing a lot of pruning. There's a lot of neural pathway stuff happening in those teenage years. So even though your teenagers might not look so secure, in fact, they might look a little insecure practicing all their independence and like they just don't care, know that your efforts to know them, to help them regulate, to be present with them are not going unnoticed. They're doing the good work. So remember that even if you have teenagers, practice this stuff. It's working more than you might think. And for more parenting help, I hope you'll come back next week because I'm interviewing two amazing guests. I can't say amazing enough. I feel so thankful and blessed that God opened up a doorway for me to be able to speak to them. Their names are Jeffrey and Amy Ulrich, and they wrote an amazing book called The Six Needs of Every Child. Jeffrey is actually an attachment researcher, and they've raised three kids of their own, so their words are amazing from both sides. I hope that you'll join me in the next two episodes as they dive into some of how we can practically put this stuff into our parenting. And I also want to leave you with the thought that healing is not linear. It's always messy. It never looks like exactly what we think, but that doesn't mean that you're not doing great work. So remember that as well if you're in the process of earning secure attachment. Well, I want to end today's podcast episode with a scripture passage. We're going to find ourselves in the Psalms again, and today's is probably the most recognizable Psalm of all times, Psalm 23. As always, I want us to be listening for those secure attachment themes. Notice what stands out to you. Today, I'll be reading out of the NIV version. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What stood out to you? I think this is a beautiful passage about secure attachment because we see a shepherd who is never too far from his sheep. David knows that he's loved even when he's in the scariest valley. He knows he's not alone. He can do that refuge seeking. He also knows that he's safe to go out and explore because, as he says, goodness and love are following him all the days of his life. Think about that assurance, that secure base, knowing that he's never alone, that he's always cared for. Well, friends, I hope you'll meet me back here next Tuesday for my interview with Jeffrey and Amy Ulrich. It's a good one, you guys. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. Thank you.